1 through 3 are our scripture reading, and I invite you to stand once again in respect to the reading of the Word of God if you're able to stand again. 1 John chapter 4 and verses 1 through 3, and since we only have three verses this morning, we'll forego our responsive reading and read in unison all three verses together. 1 John chapter 4, verses 1 through 3, and reading in unison. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is of God, and every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of Antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is it in the world. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let's make our prayer. Now, Spirit of God, I pray that you might speak to hearts as we examine your word this morning. It's your word. And may you do a work in our hearts that only you can do. We'll thank you for what you're going to accomplish this morning. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. After seven weeks in 1 John chapter 3, we begin chapter 4 this morning. We've looked at the last few messages, of course, in regards to the last verses of chapter 3. And we looked at the in-your-face word, of course, for this book is the word know, K-N-O-W. And we said that we know or I know the love that the world loves. The world loves the things that God and his children love. We said, secondly, that uh, according to 1 John chapter 3, verses 14 through 19, that I, I know I'm saved. These things have I written unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. I know I'm saved. I know I'm born again. We said from verses 19 to 22 of the previous chapter that I know God is greater than my heart. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. Sometimes we're condemned by our heart justly, and sometimes we're condemned by our heart unjustly. But God is greater than our heart. And then, of course, last Sunday morning, we preached a message entitled from verses, the last two verses of chapter 3, I know three commandments to receive. And the first commandment is to receive or believe on the name of the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. The second commandment is to love one another. The third commandment is to abide in the spirit of truth. We see a key word in verse number 1 of chapter 4. In verse 2, it's found again. In verse 3, it's found again. In fact, it's found several times in these three verses. And I'm referring to the word spirit as in capital S. And the word spirit, as in small s, or spirits, as we're going to find it about seven times in these next three verses. And I know you've all heard, because I remember as a little boy hearing, and now it applies to seeing and about, applies to people as well, and that is this statement, don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you hear. Don't believe everything you read on the internet. Don't believe everything you see with your eyes. Things can be deceptive. The Bible says it this way, Beloved, believe not every spirit. And today's In Your Face Truth, we looked at that word believe last week and throughout this book. Believing is an absolute to the Christian faith. 
Bible says that this is his commandment, that you believe on the name of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Acts 16, 31, when the Philippian jailer sprang forth at midnight and the earthquake came and Paul and Silas were asked the question, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer was given succinctly, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So belief is, is primary, is absolute in the Christian faith. Yet believing only in him, now let me stop there for a moment, believing only in him, Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 18, that we are, he that believeth on him is not condemned, that's Jesus, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Peter said it this way in Acts 4, 12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there's none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And so we must believe, as the preceding verses tell us in the last chapter, we must believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ or you are not a Christian. So belief is paramount. Belief is, uh, is uh, absolute in the Christian faith. But believing only in him requires rejecting many other spirits. The Bible says, ye that love the Lord, hate the evil. Godly love requires hate. Believing in Jesus Christ requires a rejection of other spirits. And the Bible tells us to, and admonishes us to reject, and it tells us, it calls us to attention, if you will. And I have a message entitled this morning, or rather as we begin our three verses here, our seven points in these three verses that I see. I say, attention, beloved, listen up. Notice, if you would, please, first of all, the appeal in verse number one, beloved, beloved. Five other times, First John, the apostle John uses this word beloved to begin a verse. You'll see it in chapter three and verse two and verse 21, verses four, chapter four, rather, verses seven, notice what it says. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Verse number 11, Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought also to love one another. I want you to notice in this appeal, Beloved, it's, it's given in love. Now I want to preach the truth. I believe I've been trying to do that for a lot of years now. I try to preach the truth, and I want to preach the truth, as Ephesians 4 says, but speaking the truth in what? Love. We don't have to exchange one for the other. Beloved, it's a, a beseeching word. John beseeches us, and he says, I want you to, and the Holy Spirit of God, of course, giving him unction. I want you to, I'm giving you this appeal, and I'm giving it to you in love. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse seven says, 17 says this, Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the spirit of, wicked, of, the, of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. I don't suppose you've had time to read the word from the pastor, but let me just summarize what I said in the first paragraph. Christians can be, the Bible tells us that Christians can be deceived even Christians, that's what this passage is all about. Beloved, believe not every spirit. Not only can Christians be deceived, but if we're not careful, Christians can, can collude with or be a part of or 
propagate false isms and false teaching and false truth. The Bible says to be beware of these very things, but God tells us this in love. It's given this appeal uh, to the, is given first of all in love, but then it's given by the Lord. These are not my words. These are not Baptist words. These are not Christian words. These are, if you will, they are Christian words, but they're God's words. The Bible says, beloved, believe not. The Lord says there's some things that I want you to believe, but there's some things I, I do not want you to believe. In fact, I want you to reject. In Mark 13, verse 21, and then if any man shall say unto you, lo, here is Christ, or lo, he, lo, he is there, believe him not. For false prophets, or false Christ and pro- false prophets shall rise and shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the very elect. These words, believe not, are given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself, by given by the Holy Spirit of God. Matthew seven fifteen, Jesus said, beware of false prophets false prophets which come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly they are ravening wolves remember oh, it's been a dozen years ago now we were at a Wednesday night service and two very well dressed men came in halfway through the service they sat near the, in the back row in the center section and they definitely caught my eye they had Bibles with them and they, they, they were well dressed they drove in with a $80,000 car and I uh, thought that was interesting and so I I, after the service, they confronted me, and they wanted. They said, "Could we set up a meeting and talk with you?" I knew something was up, and why? Why I just set a meeting for the next day or the day after, and I came to my back office, and I found out that very well-educated men, supposedly, but they were followers of one brother Julius. I don't suppose many people remember that name. How many remember that name? I just out of curiosity. Yeah, just the old-time Connecticut folks. Century twenty-one. He owned a, a number of franchises. Brother, Brother Julius thought he was Jesus Christ in the flesh. And thousands of people in Connecticut, in well-educated Connecticut, believed that he was Jesus Christ. And these two men came to my office and they propagated that he was Christ. And uh, I, I don't normally get uh, animated or very uh, indignant, but I got extremely indignant. And I, I told them they were on their way to hell and I kicked them out of my office and they said, no, you're on your way to hell. I said, no, you're on your way to hell. And we had a back and forth. And, uh, but they believed that another man was Christ. My Bible says that Jesus himself, that many will come in my name, believe them not. So the Lord gives us this appeal. Beloved, believe not. It's an appeal given in love. It's an appeal given by the Lord. But then I want you to notice the assault. Beloved, believe not every spirit. The onslaught, really three things. I had room on the worksheet to put two, so here's the two. There's an onslaught, uh, onslaught by an unseen army. Now, rough numbers this morning, whatever we have, about 100 or so here gathered uh, this morning here in this auditorium within the sound of my voice. Now, this may sound silly to some people, and to, certainly to many it would, but hopefully not to you. I don't believe there's just 100 beings in this room. I believe there's several hundred beings right now within the sound of my voice that are hearing what this preacher is saying. Uh, some of you have an angel that watches over you. Some of you need to have several angels watching over you. He shall give his angels charge over thee. There's the angels of God, but there is a rebellion in heaven where a third of the angels fell from heaven. That's a mystery, but the Bible tells us. 
I believe there's demonic beings in this room, even as we speak this morning. You see, that's sensational. Well, you call it what you will, but my Bible tells me in Ephesians 6, 11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the wiles of the devil or the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. There's a book written about 30 years ago. Some of you old-time Christians probably read it. I'm referring to the book title. was called This Present Darkness. It's amazing to me how this world will accept. We have all these sci-fi movies and all these extraterrestrial movies, and we have all this belief system. We had Stephen Hawking die last week, the, the renowned atheist, the renowned evolutionist, of course, and the scientist of, uh, on the, the chair of Cambridge or Harvard, what have you. I don't know. And he died, and he said, said a number of, made a number of statements, and people will follow him, and he said, and he made some incredible statements, of course, and of course denied the Lord, but they have no problem believing that there's planetary, there's beings in outer space. They have no problem believing in uh, extraterrestrial beings and so forth, because Stephen Hawking says it could, be, it could be so. But to believe that there's actually demons... An invisible world that the Bible speaks about, that, that would be foolish to think that. And so these, these, uh, we have these, these, uh, this unseen army that they, they delight in the fact that people believe that they're not real. Christians can never be possessed by demons. Unsaved people can be possessed, and there is demonic possession even to this day, I believe. But Christians can be oppressed. And there are spirits that that in, in the air, even this morning as I preach, the Bible says so. Believe not every spirit, but not only these, these, uh, these, uh, this unseen army, but secondly, by these, I was speaking about many different spirits, every spirit, by an unsaved agents. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse number 13, for such are false apostles, Deceitful workers transforming themselves into the apostles of Christ. And no marvel, for Satan himself is transformed into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if their ministers be also transformed in, as ministers of righteousness, whose end shall be according to their works. These unsaved agents that parade around as Christians, they are so deceived that many of them think that they might be Christians. I've told the story many times, but, you know, I've been, on a number of occasions, I've had joint funerals with neighboring clergy and so forth, and one side of the family wants one particular denomination, shall we say, and the other side of the family wanted me. And I'll never forget, uh, in a certain church that everybody knows here, if I were to name the name, or it's a local church not far from here, and the preacher stood up in front of 300 people with his robe on, his purple robe on, he raised his hand. I was on the stage, and he prayed at the funeral, and he prayed to our Father, our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He just got done telling me seconds ago, minutes ago, in his own office, he didn't even know if there was a God. Didn't believe in Jesus Christ, didn't believe in the resurrection, laughed about being born again, didn't believe in heaven, didn't believe in hell. And he went out in front of a whole group of 300 New Hartford people, and he spoke words that he didn't even believe himself. There are many people that think he's dead now, and they think he's in heaven. I say, I say he's in hell. 
He was a minister of righteousness, along with his daughter that was a minister of righteousness, and supposedly, but they, Jesus called them wolves in sheep's clothing. Unsaved agents, don't be amazed by this, 2 Corinthians 11 says. I had a letter C, but no room on the worksheet, so I didn't give it to you. But the unholy Arians, part of this every spirit. You say, what's an Arian? I'm glad you asked. Real quickly, in 250 A.D. to 330 or so A.D., a fellow by the name of Arius lived, and he lived in Alexandria, Egypt. He was a good-looking Presbyterian. He was a good-looking clergyman, and he espoused and rejected uh, traditional Christianity even at that early age or uh, uh, century, second, second or third century. And he said that Jesus was a created being. And he believed that Jesus, uh, these unholy Arians, that Jesus was not God manifest in the flesh, that he was a created being. And he espoused many disciples down the road, along the way. I was by on Route 4 in Farmington the other day, and I saw the $56 million building there in, uh, in West Hartford. Some of you know what I'm talking about there, or Farmington, rather. Joseph Smith and Brigham Young are the founders. I went by, I was at Hartford Hospital yesterday. I had to go down Route 44 and turn right uh, uh, there, right in as you come into Hartford, and there's the Christian Science Building, Mary Baker Eddy. And then I passed on a regular basis to Kingdom Hall down in... Uh, Dibble Street in Torrington there, of course, built in three days, like they all build them there, founded by Charles Taz Russell, the Kingdom Hall. What did Joseph Smith Brigham Young, Mary Baker Eddy, founder of Christian Science, Charles Taz Russell all have in common? They're all Arians. They all deny the, the, the deity of Jesus Christ. If you're a Mormon, you believe that Jesus is the cosmic brother of Satan, Lucifer. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you believe that he's the first created of God. And then he created everything else that there was. All heresy, the Bible speaks about. These unsaved Arians and these unleashed, uh, these, these uh, excuse me, these unholy Arians, these un unsaved agents, and of course this unseen army that we fight against. There's many different spirits, seen and unseen. But it leads us to Letter, or the middle part of verse number one still. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try, judge, discern, examine. But try the spirits whether they are of God. Notice the approach. The Bible says that we're supposed to discern. We're supposed to try, to judge, to examine. And we, how are we to try them? Or what is our standard? What's our canon? What's our, uh, our rule is the word I want. Well, we, judge, we try them, first of all, by the authoritative word. The word of God. You see, turn over. I have to turn two pages in my Bible, so I'm guessing you have to turn two pages. But turn to Jude, the little book of Jude, right before the, as is often called, the vestibule of the Revelation. Look at verse number three. Jude 3, beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation. There's one gospel, by the way. Galatians 1 talks about that. The common salvation. It was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that ye should earnestly contend for the, for the what? Help me out. For the what? Faith. Which was once delivered unto the saints. The faith that I propagate this morning is not the Baptist faith. 
The faith that I propagate this, this morning is not my faith, but it is my, it's become my faith. But the faith that I propagate this morning is not a nuanced faith that changes, as the sign I passed the other day with a rainbow on a church building, yeah, right here, and just, they're, they're all through buildings. God is still speaking that God is changing his mind on things. No, the faith that I'm talking about is the faith that was from God that's once delivered to the saints. It's the same faith today, yesterday, and forever. It's his faith in Jesus Christ. He's the author and finisher of salvation of our faith. This approach, we approach, look what it says in verse number four. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. What condemnation? This condemnation of turning away from the faith. Ungodly men, turning the grace of our God into lasciviousness and denying the only Lord God in our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see this, how do we judge these spirits? But try the spirits back to 1 John 4, verse 1. Try the spirits where they be of God. We try them by the authoritative word of God. By the way, watch out for extra biblical revelation. Prophecies, ecstatic utterances. The Bible says there's the canon, that's the rule. The law, the scripture has been completed. Proverbs 30, verse 6 says, Add thou not unto his words, lest thou be found a liar. Revelation 22 says, Don't add to or take away from the word of God. The scriptures are settled. They're finished. We don't need to rewrite the word of God. We need to reread the word of God. We need to let the word of God change us, not change God's word. You see, it's the, the faith of, that's once delivered to the saints. So we don't buy into this extra biblical revelation. I have a quote here from everything is Stephen Hawking in the last week. They're memorializing him, of course, on TV. I don't know if you've seen it and it's on the internet. But uh, he died on Tuesday at age 76. In case you don't know, he was uh, the premier scientist of the world, supposedly. He was an evolutionist, an atheist, and he denied God in every way. And uh, he had a warning, a prophetic warning for the earth. And, quote, he said that the earth is headed for a, quote, unquote, catastrophic ending in the near future. By the way, I believe I, I agree with that, but 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 not not uh, how he says. It take me a couple three minutes to read this whole thing. I, I try to scan over it quickly. He says this: this doom will not come from a fiery asteroid or even global warming, but from rising inequity fueled by increasingly smart robots. Hawking said. Now I'm quoting again: intelligent future Al. That's the name for his smart robot will probably develop a drive to survive and acquire more resources as a step toward accomplishing whatever goals it has because surviving and having more resources will increase its chances of accomplishing that other goal, end of quote. In other words, translation of the best I can interpret it, robots are taking over the world, and guess what? They're taking over our factories. There's some truth in that. And they're, 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 I saw that 7 million American men are of working age are out of jobs right now. Uh, and this large part because of the new robotic age that we're in. So there's some element of truth in almost all lies. It's, there's a skin of truth. But he says that we're, we're going, the world's going to be overtaken by, by robots. Now here's the dig. 
There's millions of people that believe what Stephen Hawking said because he's a smart scientist. And yet those same millions of people, many of them multiplied millions, will mock the things of Jesus Christ, the things of the Bible, that God is going to overthrow this world, that he is coming one day and this earth will be burned up in a fervent heat. Yes, that's true. They mock those very things. So this approach, how do we judge these false spirits? By the authoritative word. What does the word, God's word say? Secondly, by the audience they woo. Say, what do you mean by that, preacher? Who, who, who do they, who's here do they get? The uh, Bible says in 2 Timothy verse three, or chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, I won't read the whole thing for sake of time's sake. But verse 1, This know also that in the last days, now in case you don't know it, folks, I believe that we're living in the last part of the last days. That in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers. Disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of God more than lovers of pleasure. It's interesting, I saw this past week here, thousands of students all across America uh, walked out of cl- public classrooms across America protesting, you know, gun safety, wanting gun safety in our country and uh, rejecting the idea of having more, having teachers. How dare anybody think the teachers should carry a gun? That would be terrible. Maybe like something like the Second Amendment or something like that. But anyhow, they mocked that. I wonder how many children, if they would have walked out of school protesting no God in public schools, uh, what, what would have happened to them, of course. It's uh, selective in, uh, in their rebellion. This audience that they woo, it's interesting how they can, the sheep follow those with the smooth voices. He goes on to say these words in 1 Timothy 3, verse 7. For of this sort are they which creep into houses and lead captive silly women laden with sins, uh, led away with diverse lust, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. The audience say, woo, I have an illustration, but I, I'll let it go. Let me give you a third way that we try these, the approach that we try to try these spirits, whether they be of God, and that is their, by their actions and their walk. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, ye shall know them by their fruits. By, your fruit, their, the, by their fruits ye shall know them. And you see their actions in their walk, their hatred and their mockery for the things of God, and their, their piousness and their high-mindedness and their self-righteousness. You see this approach. But then I want you to notice if we would the last part of verse number one, once more it says this. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Notice the aggression. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. How do these false prophets operate? How are they so aggressive? Well, first of all, they have alluring speeches. Alluring speeches. 
Romans 16, 18 says, for, this, for they that serve such, not are, for they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly. And by good words and fair speeches, they deceive the hearts of the simple. It's interesting. It's amazing. You know, the, the, the men that can speak, the orators, this is no castigation whatsoever on our brother Billy Graham, who's in heaven. And he was responsible for bringing millions of people into the kingdom of God. He's got rewards to cast at the crown of Jesus. But, and I don't mean this in any derogatory way at all. Let me preface that. On the contrary. But Billy Graham, didn't he have a magnetic voice to listen to? I mean, you could just listen to that voice, I think, all day long. He just had that type of voice. And it was, a, it was of course, a voice controlled, I believe, by the Spirit of God, and he, he preached the Word of God and the need for salvation and being born again. I get that. I'm thankful for that. But it's amazing, the powerful voices. There was another guy that had a powerful voice. His name was Adolf. And he had such a powerful voice that he led millions in the most smartest, the most intelligent nation of the time in the 1930s, the German, the Aryan race. And he convinced all of those good Germans, most of them anyhow, not all of them, by his alluring speeches that the Reich would rise again. And as they say, the rest is history. Jesus said, and rather Paul said in Acts 20, verse 30, Also of your own self shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. The aggression of these false prophets, by the way, here's the key phrase, to draw away disciples after them. Pastor Parmar and all the years he pastored, his goal was not to make little Solomon Parmars, but to make Jesus, little Jesus Christ folks that walk in the power of his spirit. My goal is not to make you like me. That would be, that would be scary, wouldn't it? <laughs> sure would be. My goal is to point you to Jesus Christ. But these false, alluring speakers, they allure people to follow after them. It leads me to, they also, they almost all universally have an alternative salvation, an alternative gospel. In Galatians chapter 1, the Bible says, I marvel that ye are so soon removed from the grace of God into another gospel, which is not another, but there would be some that trouble you and pervert the gospel of Christ. Though we are an angel from heaven and preach any other gospel unto you than that which you have, you have received, let him be accursed. If you are saved this morning, you are saved by one reason, by one person, by the, by the Lord Jesus Christ and by the blood that he shed on that cross of Calvary for your sins. And he died for all of your sins and you put all your faith and trust in him and him alone, plus nothing. You don't pollute or pervert the gospel of Christ, but there be many that do. And it breaks my heart. I know some of you might be saying, preacher, you preach this every week. Thank you. I try to. Some people say, I know this so well. I suppose one of the greatest heartaches, and I'm really letting my guard down here, and this is not part of my notes, but I'll just say it. After 30-plus years of pastoring the same church, it breaks my heart that I've had people, we've had people come into our church and be with us for years. Sometimes they become members. And then they're led astray by other spirits. And they believe that there's something in addition to receiving Jesus as Savior in order for salvation. You have to keep the, keep the law. You have to keep commandments. 
It breaks my heart. I say to myself, what did I do? What could have been done more? How can that be? It's a heartbreak. But they offer another gospel, which the Bible says is not another. And Galatians 1 says, if any man offers any other gospel unto you than that which you have received, let him be accursed. There is no stronger word in the Greek language in the, in the New Testament for, than that word accursed. It means literally to be damned, condemned by God. Anybody messes with salvation, they're messing with God himself. They're messing with the, the, the Spirit and the Father who brokered, who gave the Son. They're, they're denying his word. This aggression, many false prophets, they have alluring spirituals, they have alternative gospels or alternative salvations. But letter C, they have accommodating sentiments. What do you mean by that, preacher? The Bible says in the last days that in 2 Timothy 4.3, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Isaiah 30 in verses 9 and 10 says this, that this is a rebellious people, lying children, children that will not hear the law of the Lord, which say to the seers, or the prophets, see not, and to the prophets, prophesy not unto us right things, speak unto us smooth things, prophesy deceits. You see, you can always find, sometimes people... You ever want to validate your belief system? You, we do that oftentimes by finding other people that are more authoritative than us that believe what we want to believe. You can always find an expert. You can always find a Stephen Hawking if you want to. You can always find a, a, a Adolf Hitler if you want to. You can always find a Malcolm X if you want to. You can always find a, and the list goes on and on and on, to validate what you believe. Accommodating sentiments. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what tickles my ears. This is the aggression of these false prophets. They use it to their advantage. By the way, several other points I could have. Sub, let me just read three sub-points that I had. They, they, how do you define these, uh, these aggressive spirits, these false prophets, these false teachers? Well, they manipulate rather than motivate. Second Peter 2, verses 3, they're all about, they're, they're, they're covetous, they're all about money, all about mammon and riches, and they're not, not, not about preaching the truth. They are closed, covered, rather than open book. The Bible says that we, uh, as an open face, that we walk in sincerity and honesty. We ought to, our walk ought to match our talk as Christians. Thirdly, they chase people for, from Jesus rather than drive people, draw people to, to him. And they draw disciples after themselves. And so we see this aggression. Verse number two, notice it with me, please. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. There's that key word again, the key word of the whole book, the word know, K-N-O-W. Hereby know ye the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesseth that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Notice the acid test on knowing by the Spirit of God truth from error. Knowing you shall know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you, set you free, Jesus said. If the Son therefore make you free, you shall be free indeed. There's salvation in Jesus. And 
that he really did come in the flesh. Now, this acid test includes believe in a literal, first of all, incarnation. You say, I understand this, preacher, that Jesus, the Bible says in John 1, 14, and the word became what? Flesh. And dwelt amongst us. Jesus, Christian theology, is God the Son. He's God manifested in the flesh. Greatest mystery of God in this. God was manifest in the flesh. 1, Peter 3, 1 Timothy 3.15 He came in the flesh. Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says that he took upon himself the robe of flesh. Mystery of all mysteries, but the physical, the, the carnal, the fleshly, the material, call it what you want, the body. Jesus took a body. He was God, he was man, our kinsman redeemer. He, he came uncon- contrary to many different groups. The docetists believe that in Paul's day that no way could, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth, that man could never become God, and therefore Jesus was not God. He was a manifestation of God, a, a representative of God, but he wasn't God. But the acid test is belief in a literal incarnation, that Christ became flesh and dwelt among us, born of a virgin. Not only did he become flesh and he was incarnated, but he, the Bible, there's, he literally was crucified. There was the crucifixion. There are many groups. I've given an illustration. I'll do it very quickly. I was on the plane to India 26 years ago now, I think it was, 27 years ago maybe now. Pardon me, brother and sister Parmar, was to your homeland. And we flew out in August, I think it was 91. The day we flew out, Sodom and Hussein has decided to invade Kuwait. You might remember that. We landed in Heathrow, and we were there for a day and a half, two days in England. And then we flew out with a, on a 747 with a plane load of Muslims, Six Christian preachers. And I had a Pakistani man sitting right next to me. And we had to fly around the airspace of, of Iraq for obvious reasons. And not through it. We flew into Kuwait. And I got in a, and I was so naive. I was just a 31-year-old preacher or so at the time. 32-year-old preacher. And I started witnessing to this Muslim and uh, he had just come from, he was a Pakistani, he just came from Disney World of all places, I remember that, I thought it was kind of funny. There, there, were, there were Muslims behind me, they were from Pakistan, and I started to witness, and, and the fellows behind me, they interjected, and said, now who are you, what are you doing? And I was just so naive, I just lived just like a kid in a candy shop, a five-year-old, didn't know any better, I just, oh, I'm a Baptist preacher, and we're going to India to share the gospel of Christ and so forth. And, of course, India and Pakistan, and some of you know one of the geopolitical differences. But anyhow, I went on, and I started going through the gospel. And, uh, and I got to the point, I didn't realize there was any problems at all. And I was talking to this young man, maybe in his early 20s. And when I got to the crucifixion that Christ was nailed to the cross, these fellows behind me, I don't know what they said, it was in their Arabic language, or their Pakistani language, they went ballistic. And they just, they, they just lit up and they, they yelled at this guy that I was talking to. And whatever I said, I hit a nerve because he just looked, just, just gave me the, literally the cold shoulder. 
and went and talked to me. I knew when the conversation was over when I touched on the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. You see, it's blasphemy to Islam that Jesus died on the cross. It's, it's a Christian fabrication that he really was crucified, that he laid down his life. No man took it from him. He had the power to lay it down, and he had the power to raise it up again. It's part of the gospel, 1 Corinthians 15, 3 and 4. Christ really did die on that cross. He really was buried. And yes, let us see, he really did literally, physically, bodily, he rose again from the grave. There was literal resurrection, and there's power in the resurrection. It's tantamount to the Christian faith. There is no Christianity without the resurrection, 1 Corinthians 15. The acid test that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. Hereby know ye the spirit of God, the spirit of truth from the spirit of error. If they believe in the literal incarnation, the crucifixion, the resurrection, and then of course, letter D, for time's sake, we won't turn to Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11. But Jesus literally ascended up from heaven, from the Mount of Olives outside Jerusalem on the eastern gate, just from the eastern gate of Jerusalem. And he literally ascended up in heaven and he's literally coming back again to the same Mount of Olives. You say, you believe that? Every, every bit of it, I believe. Lord's coming back. Just like he said he would. And he's coming. He literally ascended up into heaven. And he's literally coming back again. Well, we see in verse number three, notice what it says. And every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. Notice the agency assigned in regards to who are, who is, who are the ones that profess that Jesus is not of God, that he didn't come, that he's not coming again. Well, it's Apollyon. It's, it's A-P-O-L-L-Y-O-N. In Revelation 9, verse number 11, his name is called Satan's name or the devil's name. It's called Abaddon. In the Hebrew or in the Greek language, it's called Apollyon. He's the devil. He's the destroyer. He comes to destroy the thief, comes, Jesus said. The devil comes to, but to kill, steal, and destroy. Satan wants to destroy so much in your life. If he would, he'd take your soul, Christian, but he can't. So he wants to rob you of your joy. He wants to rob you of peace. He wants to rob you of strength because he's the destroyer. He's Apollyon, the destroyer. And he wants to make you question like he did in the Garden of Eden. Yea, hath God said. He wants to make you question about who Jesus is. And this agency assigned, not only do we see it assigned to the devil himself, but we see it assigned to the Antichrist. The spirit of Antichrist, verse 3, goes on to say, 2 John chapter, just a page in my Bible again, I'm sure a page in your Bible, 2 John 7, look what it says, for many deceivers are entered into the world. Many deceivers who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist that deny that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. By the way, there's some cardinal doctrines another time, another day, but it's very sensitive to me right now. The Bible teaches a literal Jesus Christ that was crucified, that was incarnated, rather when crucified, resurrected, and ascended. And the Bible also teaches of a literal place. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. Heaven is literal. Heaven is a real place. And I want you to notice that, know that we are saved from a literal place called hell. And hell is a real place too. And it breaks my heart when people that claim to know Christ as Savior wonder if there's really a hell. What did you get saved from if you didn't get saved from hell? 
And how dare you believe in heaven if you don't believe in hell? You see, you can't have one without the other. We see this agency assigned to anybody that believes not. So it says, and this is that spirit of Antichrist. And then we see the last seventh point here, if we would, please, just hurrying you along. Notice the augmentation. I know it's a big word, the increase. The augmentation in the end times. This proliferation of this Abaddon, this Apollyon, this, these Antichrist beliefs, this, these agencies that deny the Lord God that bought them or that died on the cross. It says, whereof ye have heard that it should come, even in Paul's day in around A.D. 90 when this book was written, A.D. 85, the apostasy had already, the mystery of iniquity already worked, the Bible says. Even now it already is in the world. In the end time, the Lord Jesus said, will you find faith on the earth? There's the augmentation in end times. Two things real quick. The spirit of Antichrist includes, first of all, anarchy. Another day, another message. We're living in the day of anarchy. It's never before. A day of rebellion. Iniquities abounding on every corner. The love of many shall wax cold, Jesus said. In 2 Thessalonians 2, we're reminded for the mystery of iniquity that's already worked. It was working in the first century. It's working even more so now in the 21st century. The Bible says, let no man deceive you by any means, but that day shall not come uh, except there become a falling away first and the man of sin be revealed. We're very close, I believe, to the... I'm not planning on seeing it, by the way. But the Antichrist could be on planet Earth, the, new, the coming Antichrist. He could be alive and well right now. But I'm not planning on having to bow down or take my mark to worship him because I'm planning on being out of here by way of rapture. But... Uh, this anarchy that's going to take the world. First Peter, First Timothy 4, 1 says this, and now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. This anarchy where you suppress and hold down the truth and you do not want to believe and you rebel against what thus saith the Lord. And it leads to, of course, it's the apostasia, or we know the word is apostasy, the turning away. The Bible says when we see somebody turn away, the Bible says from such, Jesus said, turn away. You see, when we believe, believing requires not receiving other things, other spirits. So here's the truth to know this morning. The spirit of truth... Let me quote you two verses. John 14, 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. Let me translate that. And as kind as I can say it to you, if you have not received Jesus Christ as Savior, you do not have the spirit of truth in you. Now, when you receive Jesus Christ by way of conviction of the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus will come into your heart and you will receive this comforter where he will abide with you forever. John 15, verse 26 says this, For But when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. We have this Spirit of truth. The Spirit of truth testifies of him, that's of Christ. 
You see, watch out for any church that exemplifies or any organization, Christian or otherwise, that exemplifies or exalts somebody else more than Jesus Christ. Because the Bible says in Colossians 1.18 that in him should all, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily and that, that, that he might have in all things, he's the head of the church, even the head of the body, that he might have all preeminence. He might have first place in our lives. He might be first and foremost in our lives. This believing of any false spirit, I've noticed this pattern. When people get led astray, they get led astray normally by a, they want to be led astray in many cases, they have a bias. They have a follower, they find somebody that agrees with them or they can validate what they believe and they begin to follow this brother so-and-so, a guy named Jim Jones one day, a guy named David Koresh one day, a guy named thousands of other names that could be mentioned, I'm sure, down throughout history. Jesus spoke of them in Acts chapter 5, a man named Thutius and a man named Judas that hundreds of Jews followed to their own destruction. Be careful when somebody doesn't exalt the Lord, name of the Lord Jesus Christ as a name that's above every name. And at that name, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they be of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And may God have his blessing to the reading and the preaching of his scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, help us to not be so naive to think that, Lord, we cannot be misled and led astray by smooth speeches, by even end-time prophetic utterances. Oh, yes, Lord, this is the 70th year anniversary of Israel becoming a nation. And, Lord, I'd like to think that you're going to come back as a result of this. Lord, I'd love to see that be true. But, Father, let's not place our hopes in, in the extra-biblical revelation of man. No man knows the day or hour when you are going to return, Lord. We know that. We, we say, even so, we pray, even so, come, Lord Jesus. But Lord, you may not come this year, you may not come this week, but we pray even so come. But Lord, help us be found faithful to and, and obey the, the faith that was once delivered to the saints. Heavenly Father, speak in the hearts and lives of people, Lord, especially Christians this morning. Have your will and way as we close out our service and an invitation, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. As we stand together, we picked 157 this morning. As we stand together.